Tired by Michael Bishop One morning, Gordon Pointer received an e-message from the left-front Goodstone tire on his old Callisto sedan. He had bought the car used over a decade ago and retrofitted it for the intelligent interstates of the Piedmont metro sprawl. Gordon abhorred palm flips, infraspecs, logomaniacs, microsurfs, lap cops, and digital Kleenex, but he lived at the computer terminal in his Callisto, journeying between office foci to talk with other human fossils like himself. He did not quail before occasional sit-reps from his lead tire. Intermittently, after all, Gordon also heard from the engine computer, the door locks, the trunk light, the fuel tank, and the brake drums, although seldom with such unobtrusive politeness as from Adam, the lead Goodstone. Gordon, epistled Adam, an internal sensor reading of my surface topography indicates alarming altitudinal decay and thus severe frictional reduction of my tread. In short, the highways and your admirable attachment to them have worn me down to narrow fraying belts, the perilous smoothness of a baby's bottom. You should replace me, Gordon, and soon. Unlike the arch-survivalist computer Hal and an old Kubriflick, Adam sought his own removal, junking, and replacement. In this brave new century, technology had acquired not only smarts and self-awareness, but also a type of self-abnegating helpfulness— altruism that often boggled its human beneficiaries. Gordon did not want to junk Adam. He liked Adam. Besides, to purchase four brand new Goodstone tires in this age of labor-dictated moratoria and management production shortages would cost a healthy, no, a debilitating, 7,000 omnidollars. Driving toward Brasstown Bald for a summit with Multiprins and Strews CIO, Chief Itinerant Officer, Samantha Gams, Gordon E. sent his lead tire this reply. How many kilometers do you and your mates have left in you, Adam? None. None? You're jiving me, right? You've ignored a dozen warnings, Gordon, each one more tire dire than the last. I could shred and pavement plow you at any moment. So could Beatrice, Charlie, or Doreen. Stop or die. Go to the nearest Goodstone dealer and swap us out for a brand new set, and Alice, Bob, Carol, and Danny say, my next epistle could end in mid-sentence. This prophecy scared Gordon. He braked, carefully, and halted at the base of an incline for runaway 42-wheelers. Then he stepped out to examine his Goodstones for himself. A flock of ruby-throated lizards whirred up from the gravel and swarmed into the dead loblollies picketing the hillside. The sky shone a clear headache green, free of fluorocarbon and dietary product extract pollutants. In fact, this faintly throbbing antihistamine atmosphere confirmed Gordon in his decision to keep traveling as Tirano Corp's southeastern sales rep. He breathed painfully and held one fist against his chest to prevent a cough. Anything to keep the ruby throats from whirring en masse again through the evergreen stumps and tall slate stalia. Other travelers passed the Callisto without slowing their autopiloted conveyances. They rarely even cut their eyes to assess the antiquity of the sedan, which Gordon had bought because it ranked among the world's least frequently stolen vehicles, just behind Yugos and motorized rickshaws. Kneeling at each corner of the Callisto in turn, Gordon looked over the treads of his Goodstones, which the dealership had installed when his odometer read 386,472 kilometers. A Y2K-related glitch, along with a later conversion from miles to kilometers, had surely understated the extent of the tire's wear and tear. On each tire, a thin gray cross-hatching existed where firm synthetic rubber should have appeared. 
Indeed, an onion-skin transparency showed where hard black ridges should have bulked. Adam had not shitted him. Only luck had kept him from beheading, disemboweling, or castrating himself in a bang-up road accident, for road deaths had risen every month since last year's congressional ban on airbags and impact gels after clandestine lobbying by automakers and emergency room managers. On the e-pad on his left wrist, Gordon keyboarded this message. I guess I should thank you, Adam. So, thanks. What about me? beeped Doreen on the e-pad's tiny screen. I've got tread left, and lots of it. How can you even consider junking me along with Adam and his bald-treaded cohorts? Good resource husbandry demands a more rigorous assessment of every product before disposal. Think of the omni-dollars you'd save by retaining me for another 3,000 kilometers or so. Aloud, to no one in particular, Gordon said, Good Lord. Check me out, enunciated Doreen. Come back around here and check me out again. Gordon sighed and schlepped around the Callisto to re-examine his right rear goodstone. Another truck train whooshed by, rippling his topknot in his tunic, but retaining his balance, he noticed that Doreen did in fact look less ground down and deteriorated than her mates. Hmm. An anomaly, given that he had purchased and installed these tires at the same time, but not an unpleasant anomaly. Three replacements would cost less than four, and Doreen would helpfully signal her own hazardous degeneration before it fully endangered him, especially if he rotated her to Adam's supervisory slot. Okay, Gordon E. told Doreen, you can stay. Charlie and I deeply resent the exception you intend to make for Doreen, Beatrice E. zapped Gordon. We came on as a team. We should go off as a team. Besides, the reduced wear evident on Doreen's tread derives from your own failures to check and repair this vehicle's wheel alignment and suspension system, not from any inherent superiority in her manufacture. Why should she benefit from your oversights and we other three suffer? Had you acted more responsibly, Gordon, we might all have lasted another 5,000 kilometers. Oh, Lord, said Gordon aloud. You didn't rotate us as per the manufacturer's suggestions either, E said Charlie bitterly. I've spent my entire career as a load-bearer and travel facilitator at this same left-rear location. Even had you kept your car's chassis in good repair and the four of us in proper alignment, we still would have worn irregularly without periodic rotation. Look, it wouldn't have made that much difference, ejaculated Gordon. You all have finite lives as tires, damn it, and if you wanted quasi-immortality, you should have petitioned Goodstone to fabricate you all as rocks. Another truck train blew past, rocketing the Callisto on its quarrelsome bases. The sky writhed above the bowl of the hills like hot guacamole. Even as Gordon took a sliver of satisfaction from his sarcasm at the tire's expense, he regretted it. Arguing with the artifacts of post-millennial capitalism seldom redounded to the consumer's benefit. Far too many helpful products held grudges. In the end, they repaid you with shoddy performance, recrimination, even outright betrayal. You think yourself such a wit, Charlie E. said with cruel ellipses, a regular member of the Algonquin inner circle. Well, Gordon, we are not amused. Gordon looked about the inleaning hills in resigned panic. He dared not climb back into the car to drive on to Brasstown Bald. First, his good stones had lost too much tread on thousands of rubber-laying trips on behalf of Tyrannocore Unlimited, and he could no longer trust them to transport him to his destination. Second, owing to this unexpected roadside debate and his scornful wisecrack, he could no longer trust them to deliver him to his destination. 
Someone unfamiliar with good stones might regard these two reasons as identical, but they diverged in a subtle way that heightened Gordon's alarm. He yanked his valise from the back seat, locked the sedan's doors, and began walking. I'll sue, Charlie E. shouted. I'll engage a corporation attorney to slap you with a multi-billion dollar proceeding for abuse and neglect. I'll join him, Beatrice E. promised. You never maintained us very well, but I never thought you a calculating scoundrel. Until now, Doreen E. said, and I've got a lot of travel in me yet. I'll sue you for ecological indifference, alienation of affection, and outright abandonment. There followed on Gordon's E-pad a series of pound signs. Pound, 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 indicative of either weeping or unconstrained rage. In the green day, Gordon hiked up the median between the road and the shoulder of the runaway truck incline. He regretted not only his wisecrack, but also his abandonment of his otherwise reliable automobile. The Callisto had not e-messaged him from its engine computer either a farewell or a reproach. Only his blasted tires continued communicating, overloading the screen of his wrist receiver with whiny maledictions. Several yards from the summit, Gordon unsnapped the e-pad and prepared to hurl it across the highway into a declivity of purple sweet gums and gnarled loblollies. A glance at the tiny device halted him, for its screen was blinking at him with an almost wistful shimmer. Goodbye, Gordon, he said Adam, ostensible speaker for the Goodstones. I've enjoyed the opportunity to serve you. Gordon tried to thank Adam for this sentiment, but Beatrice, Charlie, and Doreen all weighed in, simultaneously, with competing rebukes, contradictions, and curses, all of them brief and hard to read. Gordon muttered an imprecation of his own and flung the e-pad into the shadowy ravine across the road. That spring, on his apartment balcony, Gordon showed Samantha Gams a small garden in the center of a used tire. This makeshift planter boasted lamb's ear, salvia, zinnias, and radiant orange Mexican sunflowers. They're awfully pretty, Miss Gam said. They'd look better, though, if you'd planted them in a window box or some terracotta vases. Well, said Gordon, reminiscently gripping his left wrist, that's certainly one way to look at it. That was John Meager for Escape Pod. Visit us on the web at escapepod.org.